You are listening to 91.9 WDRT Radio Free Space, Viroqua. And this is The Conscious Bro Show. Hello, everybody. My name is William Kyle Glenn. I go by Kyle. Sitting to my right is the magnificent Tony Macassette, Dr. Tony Macassette. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. Good to be back. Uh, And sitting to the right of Tony is our special guest today, David Banner. Uh, David Banner is a local mover and shaker, as, as I like to say. Uh, and yeah, we'll just send it over to you, David, to introduce yourself. Okay. Well, thanks, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm the different kind of doctor that Tony is. I'm hmm. a PhD doctor. Uh, I've been in Verona for 26 years, and I was one of the three people that started Transition Town in the year 2000, so 20 years ago. Uh, so I'm here to talk about uh, my experience in setting it up some of the snags we ran into, uh, some of the victories we had, and uh, so forth. Cool. So I'm like happy you, to tell you all about it. I appreciate Very that. That's cool. exactly what we're looking for. So like he brought up, he brought up what we're going to be talking about today, which is the Transition Town Movement. Uh, I'm good friends with Toby, who uh, introduced me to David. And I've been hearing, since I've been here, I've been hearing uh, whispers about this Transition Town Movement, like people in town talking about there's this wonderful thing here that was gonna turn Barocco into a completely sustainable community. And then it just, I don't know, did it just not happen? Or well, what? no, it's a long story. So let me get you started on that. Okay. Uh, and I can, by the way, I have to have to leave at six. So we got an Perfect. hour. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, myself and uh, David Whited Ford, and some of you guys know David probably, and a guy named Mike Frank. The three of us actually were the leading people. We had a couple of women that were on our steering committee, but they dropped out. Uh, here's the way it goes. Uh, a guy named Rob Hopkins uh, from England, Totnes, England, uh, designed this program. And it basically, there's a handbook that you can get. You go on a website for Transition Town, you'll find this Transition Town handbook, which tells you how to set up a Transition Town group. And the first thing you need is a steering committee. And you, for six weeks, study the materials. And then those people that are still around uh, start the program. But so you have to sort of uh, commit to it. Mm -hmm. You have to commit to it if you're going to do it. Uh, So Mm -hmm. like I say, there were three of us that really committed. uh, And there were two or three others that were in and out uh, at various times. Uh, So... uh, so once you start this thing, then the idea is to begin to have seminars and uh, workshops for the general community to make people aware of what the goal of Transition Town is, which is to create a resilient, sustainable community. Right that's, on. that's what it's for. Okay. Uh, so uh, we had videos. You can get a bunch of videos from Transition Town to, to uh speak to this directly. We also had some videos. We ha- There's a guy here in town who's a former geologist at the University of Chicago, Illinois, who talked about uh, our, our ground around here, which is uh, fracking is, doesn't work here because we have what's called karst geology and uh, pollutants and, and uh, manure go down into the groundwater and they can pollute it. And that's not too cool. 
So he gave a talk. We had a number of other people give talks. How many people were involved? Well, here's the here's the thing. Here's this now. You got to remember, this is 20 years ago, 21 years ago. What? what can you can you name the exact time? Like, what was the year when it, when it started? 2000. So oh, exactly 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2000. So uh, we would do these workshops and seminars and very few people would come. And we put out a lot, we put it on the broadcaster. We put it, we didn't have WDRT then, but we, we spread the word around to get people involved. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were underwhelmed with the, with the response. Yeah. But we were, we were determined to make it work. So uh, we, we kept doing seminars and workshops, trying to get people involved, uh, showing videos, showing movies. Uh, we did a lot of different things, having guest speakers. So this went on for about a year and a half. And then in 2002, what you do with Transition Town is you set up a bunch of uh, working groups. Like there was a, a, a energy group there was a transportation group, there was a housing group, there was a, a, a food group, there was uh, all kinds of different groups were set up and a lot of things got accomplished. For example, uh, up north of town, uh, we now have the Food Enterprise Center. That was an outgrowth of our work. Wow. Yeah, and so there's 13 uh, value-added organic businesses there now, which wow. employ a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was able to help uh, the woman uh, who runs Vernon County uh, Economic Development, who's a terrific person, Sue Noble. Sue is a hard worker, and she uh, she and I put together a grant with the federal government for 1.9 million bucks, and we used that money to uh, retrofit that building because it was abandoned for quite a while. It needed a lot of work. Set up two kitchens in there, replaced the roof, did a lot of work. Uh, for it and uh, Kickapoo Coffee is in there now, right? which is no longer called Kickapoo Coffee. But you get the idea, we had a lot of businesses start up and that was really exciting. Uh, another thing is we got the smart bus started. If you guys know about the smart bus, mm -hmm. we got that going. Um, what else got going? We, we just got a number of, oh, we had this alternative energy group and that facilitated starting up this thing called E3, which was E3 coalition, which uh, is still going on here in town. Uh, and, and that was all about energy audits for towns, uh, getting in LED light bulbs, getting in all kinds of energy saving devices in different municipalities around here. Uh, so a lot of really good stuff happened as a result of Transition Town. We just didn't get much involvement from the general community. Right. The alternative people were were interested, but uh, the so-called general community were not too interested. Uh, then we, what you do after you get all these committees and groups set up, which we did, and we got people to populate all of these small groups, we had uh, a blowout. And a friend of mine is a guy named Richard Heinberg, who's written a bunch of books on energy and on uh, peak oil, for example. So I got Richard to come here and give a talk. And at the public high school here in town, we had 275 people. Mm. And we publicized it widely. And Richard gave a great talk with a slideshow and everything. And then the idea is the steering committee just disbands and you go to a group that you're called to go to. Mm. So I went to the energy group for quite a while, actually. Uh, and so it's, it's up and running, uh, but it's, 
it's low key and I think it needs uh, some new blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 25 by 25 program, did you start that? No, I don't know what that is. It's Toby Grant's ladies and gentlemen. No, no, we didn't, we didn't go that way. Uh, we, we just followed the script of Rob Hopkins' book, okay. the Transition Town Handbook, and we, we did it exactly like he suggested. Actually, I went to England to visit my oldest son, and I, we went to Totnes, and I had an interview with Rob mm. Hopkins. He's a late 30s, early 40s. This is the guy, guy that started it. Yeah, Rob. no, he's the guy, yeah, the guy that invented it. Invented it. Yeah, and Transition even, Town Handbook. So did they actually do this in England? Did they actually take it to fruition or what? absolutely his town Totnes, england is completely sustainable they have they have solar panels on almost all the businesses and all the houses in town they got windmills it's it's pretty awesome are they do they have like local food too or is oh it just, yeah is, yeah they got several local food stores so how far does it go to, <laughs> as far as sustainable that's what i'm saying so is, is, it, is it all the way the whole gamut absolutely. like energy food energy water, food water uh, shelter, I guess. shelter, transportation. transportation. Yeah, yeah, all of that. So, what is it? What uh, can you describe what it looks like, or do you know? Yeah, I went there. Uh, oh, you went there. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I went there. It's uh, like I say, there are solar panels on almost all the buildings. Uh, there's windmills all around town generating mm -hmm. electricity. Wow. Uh, they've insulated a lot of the houses. Of course, England's not as cold as here, mm -hmm. so it's not quite as mm -hmm. bad. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a very interesting model that they've developed, and uh, Totnes is doing great. You can Google it, Totnes, T-O-T-N-E-S, United Kingdom, and you'll hear okay. all about what they've done there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, I wanted to read this because this is on the because um, I I looked at this book that Toby sent me. I think it's the Transition Handbook. Yeah. And so they had like this this twelve organized organizational steps. Yeah. Step one, set an intention or a steering group and design yes. its demise from the outset. That's right. Step two, awareness raising. Step three, laying the foundations. Four, organize a great unleashing. The great unleashing yeah. is the thing we just did at the high school. So can you explain what, what is that? That's well, the, that's when I brought in my friend Richard Heinberg. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That's the great unleashing. And, mm -hmm. and the whole idea is, is the steering committee then is dissolved. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you, each of the members of the steering committee, just go find a group that you want to work mm -hmm. with. And that's what we all did. Yeah. Uh, can you, so, oh yeah, here we go. I, I looked at this, the areas of focus. So these are the, would be examples of the groups, food, transportation, energy, business, livelihoods, health and well-being, building and housing and inner transition. Is there any, right. any more that I'm listening? Uh, I, if you guys want, I've got a whole bunch of emails that I sent during that period, which describes all the groups that we set up. Okay, yeah, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, I've got all that stuff. To finish the steps, uh, after the unleashing, step five is from working groups, or yeah. form working groups. Six, develop visible, practical manifestations of the project. Yep. Seven, facilitate the great reskilling. Yeah. Um, what, what, the great reskilling, is that people learning new skills or? Right. It's, for example, one of the things we did, uh, uh, Mike Frank, who's one of our founders, uh, knows a lot of Amish. Mm -hmm. And we put together this book of Amish skills. I mean, the Amish are ready for right. collapse better than we are, exactly. let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's got all these Amish on his list of people he knows 
uh, what they can do. You know, I mean, these, some of these guys are horseshoeing. <laughs> they, they do all kinds of stuff that we don't know how to do anymore because we're these white people. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all of that, all of that has uh, been put together. Uh, yeah, there was a lot that actually happened. I, I, I got a little discouraged, as did David Wider Ford and Mike Frank, because we just couldn't get much participation. Mm-hmm. And it may be different now, especially yeah. with this Texas thing, you know? Well, just the world in general. Yeah. I mean, there's never been a more apt time to like revision. Like yeah. that's my mantra. Like lately, it's like revision my own life, revision organizations. Absolutely. I mean, if we had talked about this a year ago or two years ago, it would have been a slightly different conversation. Absolutely. A hopeful one. And maybe we should. Now it's like, maybe we, gotta we do need it. to do this, you know? <laughs> and, it, you yeah. know, and, and if we, if we roll in, you know, blessings and bliss and, and celebration and appreciation to all this. I think the, you know, the sort of more mainstream type person is really ready to hear this message. I hope like, you're let's right. re-envision our whole society because we can, and we have to, we have to, why yeah. don't, why don't you, why do you personally think it didn't gain the traction that it should have? Uh, I think it was back in the day when a lot of local Viroquins were fearful about the alternative community. That's okay. what I think it was. Yeah. And they found out that I, my daughter went to Pleasant Ridge and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, so I think that was probably a, a big reason. So it was kind yeah. of like a left right type of thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it it's just... the local farmers who tend to be more conservative and the, the newbies like me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been here 26 years and I'm still called a newcomer. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, how do you, how would you say that we bridge that gap? How do we bridge? bridge well, the gap? it's being bridged. It's happening. Now. It's happening. Yeah, now. It's definitely happening uh, the now. co-op is a good place. A lot of counties go to the co-op. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you meet a lot of people that you wouldn't meet in your sort of alternative circle. Yeah. I mean, and the distinction between the local and the newcomer is disappearing. It's, it's disappearing. Yeah. It's not gone. I mean, there's still this and that, but right. I mean, like, you know, for example, at our, at our business, you know, as you know, we started in 2003 and I, I keep saying in 2003, I thought it was going to be like how it is in 2021, you yeah. know, but it took all of the 17 years That's for right. that to actually happen. But the, the point is now it actually is happening Yeah, where there is this sense of vibrancy and acceptance and exploration of like, how can we do things differently than they've always been done? Yeah. Because we should and we need to. Yeah. Another thing that happened, I forgot to mention this to you guys, is uh, a local philanthropist who I won't name uh, was involved in buying the old uh, church down the street from Pleasant Ridge and turning it into an art center. Wow. Yeah. It's now called the Commons. And that was an outgrowth of some Okay, so let, let's name them just to be clear. So we got the Commons, we got the Food Enterprise Center. What else did we get? Kickapoo Coffee Kickapoo. was part of that at the Food Enterprise Center. Okay. Yeah. The smart bus. Smart bus. Uh, oh, E3 Coalition, which is the energy consulting oh, yeah, okay. business. Uh, yeah. So, so I mean, it was it wasn't a failure. It was no, a success. No, There's, it was not a failure. No, it was a success. It just it just stopped. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's just about like, is this something that we could kind of pick up the pieces and kind of continue on forward? I or? think so. Mm-hmm. Right. I just, you know, this summer I turned 80, so I'm yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. 
but uh, although I still have plenty of energy, but I, I, I think, yes, yeah. get some younger people. Yeah. How many people were involved all together? Do you remember? Like how many do you think? Well, like I said, the three men that I mentioned, me, Mike Frank and David Whiting Ford were, were three of the ones that were most involved, but there were uh, a couple of women that were very involved. Um, I, I'm blanking on names right now. Uh, it's okay. You know, yeah, yeah. I was just wondering if like, did you have like 40, 50, or just a few? No, no. The, the steering committee is five, just, six people, oh, max. Five, six people. Mm -hmm. That's all you want. How do those groups work together? There's a lot of, um, so I've been looking at this thing called sociocracy, which is really interesting yeah. to me. Have you heard about that? I Where know about it. You have yeah, the two focus points and then different people in the group meet in the middle group to connect all the different yes. groups together. Is it something like that? Or how do these no, little groups No, we didn't stay know connected? about sociocracy back then. Oh, gotcha. so, so what happened was in our steering committee, we just brainstorm about what do we think needs to happen in Baroque. And uh, on and on and on, uh, we generate ideas. All of our meetings were very exciting. <laughs> we had a lot of different opinions. And so we would just get people that were interested in what they were interested in. And they agreed to head up a working group in that area. Mm -hmm. right. It was very organic. Yeah, it wasn't okay, like cool. we figured it out as we went basically what happened uh and uh yeah there were there were a, there were a lot of people eventually that got involved in the working groups because they would recruit other people for example say i had a working group in energy then i would uh, get people that i knew that were interested in alternative energy into the working group right and we would have meetings and we would generate ideas and Stuff yeah. like that. That's what, how it worked. What about it galvanized you into action? What made you excited? Well, about I could see what was coming. <laughs> What's coming? What's coming is collapse. <laughs> What's coming is now. What's coming yeah, is collapse. Yeah. Uh, my buddy over here, Toby Groats. Uh, Toby wasn't around then, but Toby would have been. He'd have been in the transition town thing. I know. Uh, yeah, I could just see that where we were heading wasn't sustainable. Right. Duh. Right. <laughs> pretty obvious. <laughs> so that's why I got involved. And I've always been really interested in the community. I'm interested in helping where I can in the community. So, yeah, that's why I got involved. Um, so when I was looking at it, it was saying the three major, like three of the major areas of focus around bringing awareness to were the peak oil threat. Yeah climate change threat yeah. and economic instability. That's what it said. Yeah, those were three that we focused on, uh, especially peak oil, because as I say, we brought in Richard Heinberg and we were very interested in alternative energy because at that time, yeah, you want to ask them maybe to... Yeah. So by the way, we, we are broadcasting from Magpie Gelato. Yeah. Right now. So this is, uh, that's what, if you're hearing people in the background, that's what's going on. That's what it is. It's a beautiful place though. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> so we were, uh, oh, we were talking about the peak oil, the climate change, and the yeah. economics. My, my friend Richard Heinberg, who's, uh, who's written several books, one's called The Party's Over. You know, you get some of his books, End of Cheap Oil. You know what I mean? He's a very interesting guy. I've known him for 30 years. And uh, he was wrong about peak oil because fracking came. And of course, we're destroying underground yeah, yeah. with chemicals it's, it's so bad yeah <laughs> it's awful it's awful but it's enabled us to continue to produce petroleum products mm -hmm. when they should be we should be ramping down from them because we're so damn afraid of what, what would happen if we can't depend on our uh petroleum fix yeah. <laughs> so uh 
But yeah, Richard, Richard's a good guy, very interesting guy. And I was so glad to bring him in because he, he drew a lot of people. Like I say, 275 people came to the high school. It was pretty impressive. Right. So I would even add, now we got a health threat. We could add a health threat in there. Yeah. Um, we're destroying the world still. Yep. I would even say world conspiracy threat, but that's just me. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, so, so you guys can formulate it any way you want to, but the, the way we did it is we had all these major groups uh, trying to remember alternative housing, alternative energy, alternative transportation, alternative food. You are listening to The Conscious Bro Show on Radio Free Space 91.9 WDRT, Viroqua. How did you get so much interest? How are you? Did you go out into the community? And yeah, like, I knew a lot of people and I recruited them. <laughs> and did, did you did you meet at like, where did you guys have your meetings? Well, for example, um, the Alternative Energy Group met up uh, at this gentleman I was telling you about. I'm trying to, Kelvin. You know Kelvin? Mm-hmm. Rodolfo. Rodolfo. Yeah. Kelvin and his wife, uh, Kathy Crittenden, own a place just outside of town, which is completely off the grid. They have a 180-foot wind tower, and they have solar panels, so they sell energy to the grid. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he was very involved uh, in the energy group, and we'd meet at his house. So like right. I say, it was very organic. We right. just, just kind of yeah, we just hang out at whoever's house had the room and uh, mm-hmm. do what we do. We and we we applied for several grants. Actually, I got to tell you guys a funny story. Uh, one of the things I got involved in was trying to bring solar energy into Viroqua. And uh, the woman that's running uh, the solar energy thing outside of town, she ran for uh, school board and various, I'm blanking on her name. Alicia, yeah. Uh, yeah, Alicia Leinberg. She and I put together this program to build a uh, 40 kilowatt uh, solar panel thing and, and, and supply electricity to 10 houses in Veropa. And we got stopped by the Public Utility Commission <laughs> because they claimed we were trying to create a utility. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I know. So, you, <laughs> so whenever you try to do something innovative, you're liable to run into some bureaucratic also, I noticed when it comes to peak oil and climate change, I'm not arguing with that, but those seem to be controversial topics in themselves that could go on, yeah. like depending on where you lie on the political spectrum, you could take different stances on Of that. course. You know, I could see, did that cause you problems? Not in our groups, because the people that wanted to work on this were all aligned. Yeah, we, we no, we didn't have any arguments Right. in the groups for what for something like this to last i feel like we have to at, all people have to be involved you know what i mean like it has to speak to both yes. sides of the political spectrum and i i scratch my head how that's done but um yeah you know what I mean? that yeah that that was our biggest challenge because mm-hmm. all the people that wanted to work on it were so-called alternative people right, right. that therein lieth the problem uh yeah, I agree with you. I, bridging the gap is a big theme in my life here in Baroque. I mean, I well, love having friends that disagree with me. <laughs> it's good. Right, right, right. It's good. Right, right. 
Yeah, it, it keeps, um, I don't know, it keeps your opinions honest yeah. and fresh. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, well, just along those lines, I, I was just listening to Mark Randolph, who founded Netflix, who I've been talking about a lot. And oh, yeah. him and Reed Hastings had this, it wasn't a political divide, but they had this like difference in styles. Right. Mark was more sort of like by the feel of things and Reed is more analytical. And they, they describe it as this loving combativeness. Yeah. You know, which was how they got like one of the greatest things ever in the world to be created. Yeah. And I think it's along the lines of what you're saying. It's yeah. like, if we can bridge the gap at least some no and doubt. find places to meet in the middle and make it sort of entrepreneurial ish in, in its feel where let, let's let's create and innovate and make some cool things for the benefit of everyone in this town i think we're going to see and it, this already is happening as you were saying yeah we're going to see this this move and you know again i feel like this is this is the time to do these this to, is to the explore to these it. areas and actually act on them and not just keep talking about them, you know, as we're doing, but like actually make things happen. Yeah. Well, well the cool part about the Driftless, what I've noticed is that there's a whole bunch of people already doing sustainable living. They're yes. already doing yeah. homesteading. Yeah. Yes. They're already um, like growing their own food, yeah. living sustainably. What I, what I see the challenge is, is like kind of like organizing everybody in yeah. whatever way we can. So we're working together. So we're communicating better and stuff. Right. We've been t we've been talking about one way to do that through local currency. I don't really know. How do you think we can? We get started a local currency well, thing. Okay. Yeah. So oh yeah. Broke, broke bucks. Mm -hmm. yeah. And actually, the Pleasant Ridge Waldorf School has an alternative mm -hmm. currency. I don't know if you guys know I that. Don't know yeah. That. No. Yeah, it's called Scrip. Yep. S C R I P. Okay. Now, what you can do, I think, there's about 20 vendors around town mm -hmm. that will take it. And so you use, say, ten dollars worth of Scrip to buy something and uh, a nickel out of every dollar goes to Pleasant Ridge. Mm -hmm. Wow. Supports the school. So last couple of years, we make six, $7,000 a year off script. Yeah. And I helped start that. And that is a really successful program. Cool. And that's still happening. I didn't still know. happening. Mm -hmm. yeah, still how happening. How much you find supervisor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I ran for county supervisor a uh, number of years ago. Because again, I wanted to get involved, and uh, there are 26 county supervisors. I don't know if you know 29. Sorry, mm. county supervisors, and I don't know if you know this or not. But at that time, when I was in, and this is I think 2006 to 2008, uh, when I was a supervisor, there were 26 farmers, very conservative people, and three alternative people. <laughs> So we got voted down a lot. Right. <laughs> For example, uh, and this you'll find this interesting. Uh, they tried to start a pig CAFO up in Westby. You guys may remember this. Mm. I wasn't here yet. I think yeah, I've heard okay. about it though. Yeah, a lot of pigs. And and they had a mm. cattle CAFO earlier, and we were able to defeat that one. So we, we uh, when we were in the when I was there, I introduced a resolution that uh, the DNR, Department of Natural Resources, had to provide an environmental audit in order for them to start this pig CAFO, because I knew it was going to be hell for our groundwater, right? Right. So I got voted down 26 to 3. Hmm. But the interesting thing afterwards, they had a comment period, and this guy sat next to me. He's a sweet guy. 
but he sat next to me into a microphone and he says, well, I don't know what all this hubbub is about pollution. We've already got too much nitrate in our wells. What's a little more pollution going to do? And I looked around the room and everybody in the room was going, <laughs> and I knew I was in deep trouble. <laughs> so I quit after two years because I couldn't really do anything in that venue. Yeah. Now, it may, it may be different now. Right, right, right. You know, it, it, was this why you were working on the transition town? I, I'm working on everything I could think to work on. <laughs> right, right. Well, because actually, as we were going down the, the steps, because we stopped at step seven, facilitate the great reskilling. Step eight is build a bridge to local government. Um, Absolutely. Or we be tried, the local government. <laughs> and we tried to do that. We tried to do that. I never was on the the, uh, the county, uh, or excuse me, the, the city council. Mm -hmm. I never got on that. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I ran for mayor. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> Did you know that? I ran for mayor years ago, probably 15 years ago. I got to tell you some stories about that. That was interesting. I, uh, my wife, Diane, whom I adore, said, David, if you're going to do this, you better do it full tilt. Okay. So I literally knocked on 500 doors wow. in Barocco. Yeah, yeah, banging on. And I had some wonderful experiences. One was with a woman on the west side of town. I'll never forget it. She invited me in for a cup of tea. We sat down. And she said, you know, I've read your platform that you put in the paper. I think you'd make a terrific mayor, but I can't vote for you. I said, why not? She said, because you're not from here. <laughs> I said, and I thanked her for being honest. Right, right, right. You know, but I think a lot of people didn't vote for me because I'm not from here. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, but I did get a third of the vote. And the then current mayor at that time was actually worried. And he was... The night of the counting of the ballots, he was pacing up and down with some of his cronies. Who is this interloper? You know, David Banner. I don't... But anyway, I got a third of the vote, which was pretty good. I think it's most any alternative candidate's gotten, except for the woman who's in now. And the reason she was elected is she's from here. <laughs> Karen Mitchell. Right. From right. here. So you got to be from here. <laughs> did you? What else did you guys do to try to bridge that gap to local government? Oh, gosh. Uh, after I ran for mayor, I was asked several times if I wanted to run again. I said, no, I've <laughs> been there and done that. Uh, mostly just the, the transition town effort, uh, county government, trying to run for mayor, things like that. Can you describe, let's let's take a step back and go to the Barocco Bucks. What, what happened with that? What, what was... What well, was what happened there was... Uh, yeah, what happened there was uh, our transportation group, local transportation, got wind of a grant that you could get with the federal government to start running buses between here, Prairie du Chien, here at La Crosse, and they got us the grant money to get the thing started. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that. They did. And it was fabulous. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I know people that work in La Crosse, and I don't know what it is now, but at the time, you could go back and forth for two dollars and fifty cents yeah you know it's a pretty darn good deal right it saves gas because you don't have a bunch of cars mm -hmm. so there have been some things that have really been very so that good. was the how did that play into the broker bucks well this group the local transportation group found this grant to start the bus 
and then the that federal was, grant. And so you would use the vocal bucks to write on the bus. Oh no, no, not the vocal bus. I thought. Oh, you thought I said bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bus. Well, that's good that you covered that. Though. Yeah, right, right, right. No. I'm talking about vocal bucks, like. The I cash. think I think there still are vocal bucks. I don't mm. know if it's being used at all, but the only thing I know that's being used is script. Yeah. We also started a barter group. Mm. Oh, which, you did. Yeah, okay, cool. which didn't go anywhere, uh, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, it worked for a while. Uh, and the idea was you barter your skills for somebody else that can help you with something else. Right. And there have been barter communities all over the planet you know, for years. Yeah. Uh, but it, it didn't really catch on. Yeah, so it's yeah. funny. We're just talking about so many amazing things that yeah. like, were started. It's like we don't have to reinvent the wheel here. There's no. there's no. people that worked on this stuff. Absolutely. Oh, geez. <laughs> that was loud. Sorry about that. Um, there's people that worked on this stuff, you know. We yeah. Can, can I we mean, locate it, those people that did that? It goes back to like even the first podcast that we had and, and having that Zoom meeting where it's essentially a version of kind of what we're talking about now. Yeah. This is more well thought out and organized and, and there's already a living, example a living example of how it started and started to flourish and now it's just like how do we take that revision again. it and take it into the future i think it's forward. a great model transition yeah. down he, yeah. he did a really good job it's good structure well what tony's talking about is we did about april of 2020 we started this thing called dripless thrive and we did a conscious bro show about it too yeah uh where we invited and well, i wish we would have invited you too we invited a, a variety of people onto um a zoom yeah how many was it like 30 i don't know it was a lot oh my God. yeah and they all shared their ideas it was all about neighbors getting to know neighbors and it was how to not only survive but thrive in the driftless like we got everything we need. We got the aquifer. We got all the organic farms. There's yeah. all these, there's people doing amazing things. And it's like, if we could just make the connection mm -hmm. to learn from each other, yeah. you know, we, we got what we need. People are already doing it. That's what's so cool. And then not only that, there was already a whole system of structure to transition into sustain sustainability that already ran through here. And we're already reaping a lot of the fruits from that. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we pick up the the pieces of, of what um, kind of ran out of steam. When did it run out of steam? Well, it, it never really ran out of steam per se. I mean, there's still uh, the alternative energy people are still working on alternative energy grants. Uh, the bus is still going, you know, a lot food of things are still center. happening. Yeah. The food yeah. enterprise yeah. center so is it, still happening. Still reaping the benefits. So, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's not like it died, but it, it never got mainstream support. Mm -hmm. Mostly people that are working on what we would call alternative. But here we are today. Yeah. And we have COVID coming through. We have a major health threat. Look what happened in Austin, or in Texas. Like yeah. my, my sister lives in Texas. So yeah. me, me and my girlfriend live out on a ridge and we don't have running water and we have a wood burning stove. And I was just joking with her. I'm like, I think it's funny that you guys are living like us now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, her and her husband are going out to grab snow and to melt it so they can use, so they can cook. And so they can use the use the restroom. They just wrote, lit a fire for the first time, and they're getting like survival training basically. And I was telling absolutely. Them, oh, and they need a wood burning stove. Tony's right. It, yeah. We're at the time where we're going to have to learn these skills, uh -huh. you know, uh, and that and that's good. And it is neat that I mean, you you know, you can take a situation like that, Kyle, and you guys are are literally, you know, you've chosen to live that way. Like it's it's 
you know, dare say a blissful existence to, to be off the grid. Yeah. And like, just to take that, that uh, comparison of like struggling to instantly do it out of the blue where you weren't expecting to do yeah. it, but then to actually have a lifestyle where I choose to live this way. And it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, you know, I mean, it has the challenges, but yeah. you know, it's just a neat way to be able to live because you need so much less in a lot of ways. Like yes. literally you don't need power ish. And you know, so it's just a much more comfortable way to exist because you can you can have a little bit more yeah. fearlessness. No, I I agree. I neat. agree with you. And my two sisters are you know they're they're down in Texas. They've still got power, but I think their pipes have burst. And, oh, that's know. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that's nuts. How like because yeah. Well, what did you say, Tori? I have I'm not so really been paying that close attention to the news, but you're saying because they were running, most people were running their heat too much, right? All yeah, just well, they just, they, I mean, from what I've seen, and I'm no expert either, but just broadly, decisions were made, you know, by, by the powers that be and then, you know, in the utility company executive suite that, yeah. well, we don't really need to have that robust of a system because right. we're never going to have to deal with this kind of like it's warm demand for power, yeah. right? Because it's all, it's warm here. Yeah. It's always going to be warm. And then suddenly it wasn't and zero. the whole thing just collapsed because they didn't, they don't have the infrastructure to support this type of right. heating requirement. Yeah. That's what yeah. So here we got this, one of the largest populated areas of the country, one of the richest as far as right. like, like paper wealth or yeah. <laughs> money right. wealth. At least. Yeah. Um, people now they can't, they can't get heat. They don't have water. Some people can't even get food. Everything's closed. Yeah. Some people can't even get gas. Right. All because just a few people they weren't were ready. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. it's like you look at it and like, what? It shouldn't see, be like that. Like, and, and I think you've nailed it right there, Kyle. I think the reason it, quote, didn't work as well as it could have is there was no uh, incentive. People didn't think everything business as usual seemed to be going on. And, and nobody believed that the thing could collapse. Yeah. Except for me and, and several others believed it too. I recommend you guys have interviews with David White and Ford, okay. who was very deeply involved. David put together a website. I think it may still exist, a Transition Town website. Okay, yeah. David works at Organic Valley. David White and Ford. He's my neighbor, too, on Saturday. Yeah, Avenue. he's a good guy. <laughs> okay. and, and, and Mike Frank, who's just a little bit outside of town on the NL. Wow. Mike's a good guy. Uh, Mike did a lot of work on it. Mike, Mike was doing alternative stuff back when we started. I mean, he, he bought a, a refrigerator freezer that opens from the top so you don't lose all the coolness. When, I, love it. I mean, yeah, it was beautiful. He's done a lot of really great alternative stuff. So uh, those two guys, you ought to, uh, uh, there was a woman named Nan. I can't think of her last name, Nan. Uh, she was involved early on. Uh, uh, there was the woman that started Pleasant Ridge. Mm-hmm. The first teacher, Philothea. Philothea Beeson yeah. was involved so, for a oh, while. Oh, she, she's my yeah. she's my landlord. So yeah, Philothea Beeson. Yeah, I live on Philothea's land. Now, now Philothea yeah. dropped out after we finished the steering committee, so she wasn't on. Need to talk to her. You know, but she she was involved in the early stages. Okay. She's, she's a very neat gal. Yeah. So it's overall, it's like switching this mindset of um, rather than being just dependent and just on the grid and assuming that somebody that you don't know is going to take care of all your needs. Right. It's like either I'm going to make sure that I have access to water and I have access to my heat 
even if I don't have power or I'm going to put my faith in the people around me in my community. If there's, there's some kind of switching of the dependency on like things far away and people that we don't know and big companies and what to ourselves and each other. Right. I think. Right. But that's a lot of work. And why well, should somebody want to do all that work? That's like right, right. And the other thing is, and I think this is what's happening with COVID. Tony can talk about this, but I, I think the reason why people don't masks and don't do social distancing is our individualism in America. Yeah. We're hyper individualistic. Yeah. We're not used to depending on other people. Right. We're going to have to get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a big problem. I think that's why COVID has spread so much. Is, People go to these great big gatherings, and you know, you know, they just spread it like wildfire. Right. So, uh, yeah, we've got to learn to help each other. You are listening to the Conscious Bro Show on Radio Free Space ninety one nine WDRT Viroqua. How do we take the next step? What is the next step? Yeah. What's the actionable actionable item? Yeah. What is the next step? Well, what says I I recommend you set up a a steering committee. Okay. And you two obviously are on it, but you need to get some other people Mm -hmm. that are on it. What happens on a steering committee? What happens is you, you uh, set up all these groups Mm -hmm. of what you want to, what you want people to work on Mm -hmm. transportation, uh, housing, whatever you decide. You set up these groups and then you recruit people to to work on them. Yeah. That's what you do. Uh, well, and, it, and then you start planning all these events. Again, now you got WDRT in, in addition to the broadcaster. So you can announce these events. You can invite people to come. There may be more people interested now. Right. See, that's the other thing. Back in 2000, people thought like everything that. was going to continue just fine. Right. And it's in, in a way, which is sort of, you know, funny and tragic. They were right. Yeah. You know, yeah. for at least those years. For those 20 years. But now is, right. now. now is and now. Now is the time to like maybe get something done here. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's, you're right. It's now is the time to do it. And I think you may get much more interest when people start reading about what happened in Texas. Yeah. I think you're going to get people's attention much more than we were able well it's to. certainly getting closer and closer to us we're seeing a huge health threat we're seeing a huge like um sustainable living threat through yeah. texas there's a lot of people we couldn't get food like when the the lockdowns were happening a lot of people weren't able to get food and, yep. to- and toilet paper <laughs> right? yeah, no, it's right. we're starting to see that we're not untouchable you know what i mean like, yeah yeah things can happen things can happen and and everybody i think is you know again is they're reconsidering their 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 ideas and their their worldviews a little yeah. bit you know not to say they're necessarily wrong but let at least let's pause and, and consider these things and is this a moment in my own life personally where maybe i can and should switch direction as well in my passion yep. plunge path situation and it just speaks to the opportunity to reorganize around these type of ideas yeah where you know again the ultimate goal is that we can live this amazing life of hyper thrivability yes. because we happen to live in part in this amazing community and bioregion that is the, the dripless and viroqua that is different than this place or that place that doesn't have all the same check you know check the box kind of situation where right we we do really kind of have it all here we have it all here this 
I, my prediction is this is going to be one of the most survivable places I agree. in right, the country. Right, right. I mean, you know, for example, uh, in Mapledale Road, you can get fresh water from mm -hmm. the creek and it's drinkable. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, awesome. You can't get that in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, right. yeah, I think we're we have a unique opportunity here to do something really important. My view was didn't turn out, but my view was we could become a model of sustainability for the planet. Right. Yeah. That's I mean, why not? I mean, how fun? I mean, it's that that goes back to this passion of you know making it uh, making it somewhat entrepreneurial. Yeah. Where it's like this cool, innovative kind of thing. How can we gel together to create some of these systems that allow us to thrive? Yeah and band together to do it. And almost like, like Rope was a startup, yeah. you know, Rope yeah. was a startup and we're, you know, who wants to be part of it? You don't have to be part of it, but if you're passionate and you're drawn to it and you have some contribution, at least possible contribution, Absolutely. let's all get together. And, and I would just add to what we were saying earlier that the, the beginning beginning could be let's come together and create a vision of what we want. Yes. And this whole idea of like vision creation, I'm just, you know, again, I'm so personally, inspired and motivated by this idea. And I think to create that in, in an organization whose goal is to help us all thrive together. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a cool thing that I think a lot of people could get behind regardless of their, you know, this or that persuasion or group they might perceive themselves to be part you of. You guys probably don't know this. We came in 1995 and we were some of the found, my wife and I are a couple of the founding members of Roca Food Co-op when it was in a little 800 square mm -hmm. foot building, yeah. oh, Tony yeah. remembers oh, yeah. it. And that's what we did. We created a vision statement. And look where, look where it's taking us. Look you. where it's taking us, yeah. <laughs> Which is like one of the best anywhere. square foot place, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you start with a vision. Mm. It's very important. Mm. Um, I think a real question is like, it's like, who do we want to depend on? Do we want to depend on companies and huge organizations far away from us? Or do we want to depend on each other? Because a lot of people yeah. feel like there's this misconception. You know, people want to be left alone to themselves and not have to depend on each other. Mm -hmm. and, and some people say that's because they're individualistic. But like, yeah. I think it's like they a lot of people don't realize that. But if they're doing that, it's actually they can do that because they're depending on people far away from them yeah. to right. provide their needs for them. That's right. To provide their food, power, water, and everything. Stuff. Yeah. And like, you know, in, and, and shipping vegetables from Central America right. is yeah, not sustainable. Right, <laughs> right. It's not sustainable. And we're still doing it. Right. So, well, I mean, it's all about like the and, you know, like Jim Collins in his, in that Beyond Entrepreneurship book that he just re-released. You know, it's like the, the joy of the and where it's like, we can be rugged individualistic people and yeah, have I think this we have pure to. desire to like, just cooperate and have these yeah. alliances with people and, and get it done where you really have both the best of both worlds. Yeah. And I think a lot of things over time fail because they're too much the individualistic thing or too much the communal thing. And the balance has, it just has to be somewhere in the middle there. Yeah, I would agree with you that. You know, and then just along what you're saying, like the whole idea of we need that we need to work on systems where we eventually have the capability to be decentralized from everything. Yeah. We don't need the central power authority to grant us the power and grant us the this and grant us the, the money, even maybe the currency. Like we can start to break away from that, utilize it where necessary, but have the ability to be decentralized. Yeah. Should that be more and more required right. and more efficient? Right. Take yeah. out the middleman. Yep. You know, I mean, it's just more well, efficient. It's a maturing process the way that I see it. Like it's about, it's, 
it's claiming more responsibility. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, what is it? Like stepping out of the nest of where like everything's just provided for us. We can just go to the store and get everything. And, yeah. and then um, rather I'm going to take ownership of where I live. I'm going to take ownership of my water. I'm going to take ownership of my community. And like, I'm responsible for this rather than people far away. That takes a lot of work though. That's hard. That's hard to reconcile. Right, you got to set up the systems. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. Like we have two uh, really nice raised beds in the backyard to grow vegetables. We've got these 50 gallon drums behind our garage where the, the rainwater filters in so we can water our plants without using the hose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so th things like that, they're not that hard, but once you set them up, yeah. they work. And it, we really got to, and in order to do this, uh, we got to sacrifice all the convenience that we have, I feel like. Yep. Which is not easy in, in ways. This is where like kind of emotions get into this because there's we're addicted to that convenience. We're spoiled. Let's, yeah. let's, there you go. let's yeah. call it what it is. Yeah, we're, we're spoiled. And that's hard. I mean, like to if anybody that knows, I, I've been through a 12-step program. Like it's it's hard to um to to get off things that you're addicted to to right. stop that. And um there's a real emotional process that goes along with that, wouldn't you say? Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, so yeah, we got to look at it from that point of view too, of like, how I got to, I got to tell you this, Kyle, this is really interesting. Uh, I just did a zoom program, uh, today, uh, with the public library. Mm. Uh, I, Claire, who was here earlier, mm -hmm. DeCoster and I started this thing called 12 steps to recovering from white supremacy. Okay. <laughs> And it's the same idea, the 12 steps. They're not the any steps, but there are, you know, uh, I, I, uh, I agree to take a look at all my subconscious bias that I learned growing up as a white guy. Uh, on and on. I have to recognize that my intent and, and the impact I have are different. I may, I may not think that I'm being racist, but if you're a person of color, you see it right away. So on and on and on. Uh, yeah, it's introspection is important. Well, one of the things, one of these like dreams that I had, and I've already named it, but I'd have to like develop it out. It was called Babylon, the Babylon decompression chamber. <laughs> like how to like decompress from this like this like pseudo society that we've created that's so disconnected from nature, and then what kind of decompression and healing, what kind of process that. Uh, um, do we have to go through to return to nature? Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, well, computer screens don't help us. Okay, no, no. That's why I did a three-month media fast. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, uh, they don't help us. Well, they, uh, let me read this thing, because this is in the, um, how much time do we have? Maybe five minutes. Five minutes. So let me read this. This is, comes from the, um, the book that Toby sent me for the Transition Town. So, these values, the philosophical underpinnings of the movement include the study of addiction, how people naturally go through the stages of change by uh, Carlo Di Clemente, the wiki, wiki approach to collaborative information sharing, the concepts of leaderless organizations as proposed by Braffman and Beckstorm in The Starfish and the Spider, the study of and science of resilience, the design-led permaculture, the science of happiness, that it can be measured that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, um, that's beautiful. Yeah. How, how can happiness be measured? 
Uh, well, there's some countries that actually uh, uh, have gone away from the GNP measure to a measure of happiness. Uh, Bhutan, for one, uh, <laughs> national uh, happiness. Holy we, could, we could get Devon for that. He can tell us in detail about Bhutan <laughs> since he's visited there numerous times. Oh, did you go to Bhutan? Cool, cool. Yeah, no, it's uh, the time is right. Time I, is right. Yeah, but I really want you guys to talk to Mike Frank and David Wyatt Ford because those guys will give you a different perspective than mine. Obviously, they're, they're sure. different people, and they're fabulous men. And uh, and also talk to Philothea because she'll yeah, have some perspective on how we got started. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great process. I don't regret it in the least. Great. Let me finish this paragraph. These are combined with the principles of transition, included positive visioning, helping people access good information, and trusting them to make good decisions, inclusion and openness, yeah. enabling sharing and networking, building resilience, inner and outer transition, self-organizing and decision-making at the appropriate level with a model based on permaculture principles and a positively focused framework for getting started and organizing in anyone's community. It is not difficult to see why the, the movement has been so quick, quick yeah. to spread. Yeah, yeah, and, and so, when, I was, when I was teaching uh, in a business school, I used to talk about uh, leaderless groups. Mm -hmm. It's really important. Self-management is really important. Mm -hmm. And it's not something we're used to. We're used to having a boss telling us what to do. And we got to get away from that. And we did in, in the transition town thing. I wasn't the leader. I was one of the people involved. Uh, and that's the way it needs to be. But you got it. You're leader of the work group, right? Each work group has a leader. Each work group has a leader, a, a focalizer, you could call it. Just somebody that calls the meetings and gets, sure. gets the word out yeah. and communicates. Yeah, you'll need one person like that. Okay, well, thanks for coming on, uh, David. Have you had any closing words? Like, what uh, anything you want to close on? No, I, I think we've done a good job, and I just hope your listeners uh, get a hold of you guys and get started. Oh, yeah. Well, I, it just came to me to ask you about your Vietnam experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I was in Vietnam in 1965 and 66. Uh, I was very fortunate. It was before the war got bad. Uh, I was only shot at once. <laughs> uh, sniper shot at me. And it's really interesting. I've been told that if you can actually feel a bullet, it's really close. And I actually felt the bullet. <laughs> this guy shot. I hit the, hit the mud afterwards. And I didn't get obviously killed. Uh, but it was, it was quite an experience. And uh, when I got home, you guys will get a kick out of this. I was living in Houston, Texas. I went to back to work for NASA. I worked as an aerospace engineer for NASA in the Apollo mission. Wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm almost 80, guys. <laughs> I've done a lot of different things. I didn't things. see that one coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was swimming in the swimming pool at our apartment complex, and a car backfired. I got out of that water real fast. Because mm. you're attuned to danger when you're in Vietnam. At any time, you know, the hotel you're in could be blown up or the, the bar you're in could be blown up by VC. So, yeah, I could, I, could, I could share another hour with you about my Vietnam experience. But, oh, I got to tell you one anecdote. I was coming home one night about one in the morning to my hotel in a suburb of Saigon called Cholan. It's a Chinese suburb. And I'm walking down this alleyway and I had this thought 
This is 1966. Okay. I had this thought I was probably safer than I would have been in Detroit. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I bet it was true. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it was true. Yeah. Nobody messed with me. I'm a tall white guy. You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. But but uh, I remember having that thought. That, you mm -hmm. know, I bet I bet it's more dangerous in Detroit than it is in Saigon. What what brought you to Europa, by the way? Our daughter in the Waldorf School. Yeah, she she had gone to, in her early years, we lived in Sacramento, California, and we sent her to the Waldorf School, and she loved Waldorf education. So we wanted to get a rural environment, and we wanted to get out of the city, and I couldn't breathe the air. In Sacramento, they spray in the spring all the crops, oh, yeah. <clears throat> and my lungs would just seize up, you know, I, I, my throat, I couldn't breathe, I thought, kind of cold. I went to an allergist. He said, "No, no, you're just allergic to something." They found out I was allergic to the air. So moving up here, it went away. Well, you made it through that, and you came to this wonderful town. And yep, been a I'm blessing, very happy to be here. A blessing mm -hmm. to this town. So yep. Thank you for your efforts. You bet. My pleasure. And I appreciate you sharing everything you did about the transition town movement and about your life. Um, this is an amazing thing that happened, and there's no reason why we can't continue. I mean. Yeah, I, I guess a lot of a lot of people. It doesn't seem like a lot of people know like of the fruits of that of that labor. And yeah, as a matter of fact, if you guys want me to, I can send you a lot of the emails about stuff that we set up and the please. groups. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff I can send you, so I will. So yeah, and um, and there's no reason why we can't pick up the pieces. And if you were ever a part of the tr transition town, or you're interested in uh, in working on projects like this, uh, send us an email. Uh, ConsciousBro39 at ProtonMail.com, and you know, let's let's get going. I think it's time to to live more sustainably. We're seeing the evidence very yeah. clearly, you know, around the globe of what's happening. That it's time to be more resilient and more robust. Yep. You are listening to the Conscious Bro Show on Radio Free Space 919 WDRT Viroqua.